Amen. So go to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Now I want to talk about living the Spirit-filled life. Living the Spirit-filled life. How to live the Spirit-filled life. Amen? So let's look at some practical things that we need to know on how to live the Spirit-filled life. Amen? Oh, I titled this, Living the Spirit-filled life. Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to look at verses 15 to verse 17. Let's look at it together. It says, therefore, be careful how you what? Yes, not as unwise men, but as a wise, but as what? Wise. Watch this. This is a very important piece right here. Making the most of your what? Because the days are what? Evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Next week, I'll deal with getting drunk, all right? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Now, we ask your blessings upon us today. Fill us a fresh Holy Spirit. Guide us through the word of God. Speak now. We're listening. Lord, we need to hear a word from heaven. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of God will last forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God. You may be seated in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. We know who the Holy Spirit is. And uh, I'm grateful that we are talking about empowered. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, living the spirit-filled life. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen, amen. We, we have talked about who the Holy Spirit is. And oftentimes in this Christian journey, we are conflicted at times, amen, as to how to act, how to live. Uh, some people have a misconception of Christianity. Uh, they think that you have to be perfect or you have to get it together before you come to God. But that's far from the truth. I believe that and what scripture has shown me that I have no power within myself, amen, to change anything, but God has the power to change me and to transform me so that I can live the spirit-filled life. You know, it would be nice, I heard a, a song says, wish that every day would be Sunday. Come on, somebody, you remember that song, that every day would be Sunday. And sometimes I feel like that. When I leave church sometimes, you know, and Monday morning hits with the pressures of life and, amen, schedules and kids and responsibilities, amen, and paying bills and all these other things. You get to the place where it seems like everything you learn in church, everything that you experience on Sunday just leaves you, amen. And so we find today in our passage that that's exactly what Paul was dealing with in the Ephesians church. We find that he is the writer. And the question today is, how does one become spiritual? That's a good question. How is sp spirituality produced in our lives? Amen. And, and it's important to ask these questions because if you're going to live a spirit-filled life, then you need to know what it looks like. Now, I know we can look at Jesus, right? But Jesus was sinless. Amen. But we have examples all over the Bible. And including we have living epistles now within the church. There are some people that if you only knew what they were before, come on somebody. If you only knew where they were 
before in life and what God delivered them from. And you're looking at them now saying, man, he's a saint or she's a saint, but you don't know the story. You don't know that it was the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them that transformed them, that empowered them to live the Christian life. Amen. It's not magic. Amen. And so what I see in the book of Ephesians, I see some practical things. Like, for instance, if you go, Paul writes this book, and he writes this book from prison. He's in a prison. He's under house arrest. Amen. And he writes to the Ephesians church because they were, the Ephesians church, he was writing them to talk to them about keeping false teaching out. Right, And as he's writing this passage and he's telling them, listen, beware of false teachers. They have become so good at, at keeping the false teachers out that their love grew cold for Jesus. Isn't that something? That they, they were so cautious that they became complacent. I wish I had somebody. They were so cautious. Take me down a little bit, Lynn. They were so cautious, right, that they, they missed the main thing. So in this Christian life, if you're going to live a spirit-filled life, you and I, what we need, we need balance. Amen? And so look what he says here. He says in, in verse 4, look chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord. See that? Told you he was in prison, right? He says, I implore you to walk what? In a manner what? Worthy of the what? Calling for which you have been called. So what Paul was doing now, he was appealing to them to say to them, Hey, listen, I know what you were before, but live as though you appreciate what has happened to you. Are you with me? Live and walk in a manner, in a manner, watch this, that shows that you're worthy of this. Amen. You know, you know what that is? That's gratefulness. Look at verse 2. He says, with all what? Humility? I mean, listen to this. Listen to these virtues right here. Gentleness? With what? Patience? Showing what? Tolerant. You know how we can't, we can't, you know what? We can't put up with nobody. We can't tolerate some things. Well, I, ain't got no, I ain't got no patience for this. Or I ain't got no patience for that. Or I ain't got no patience for this person. What Paul was saying, hey, listen, y'all, be careful how you walk. He says, listen, you, you're no better than them, but you have to be patient. So where do all these virtues come from? So as I begin to search the scriptures, say, well, how do I live a spirit-filled life? I understand that these are some of the things that I must practice. Now, look what he says. He says, being what? Diligent to present what? To preserve the unity of what? The spirit in the bond of peace. Then verse 4, he says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called into what? One hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and what? In all. And so what he was establishing here is that there's unity in the body of Christ. Watch this. But he says that there's no division as far as who God is. That the Spirit of God which lives inside of you can empower you to walk in gentleness. Listen. When you see yourself doing the opposite of what you see in Scripture, then you know where you are. Are you with me? And the Bible says that the fruits of the, the deeds of the flesh are evident. What is it? 
anger, drunkenness, carousing, out, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Outbursts of anger and all these other things. He says, these are the things that tell you where you are. Now, here's the thing. I know when I'm in the spirit, not just because, now watch this. I can get angry, but not sin. Are you with me? But watch this. Paul says in verse, look what he says then. He goes on in verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Let me cut through the cord here and show it to you. He says, therefore, because of everything that he said before, right? Look at verse, look at, look at verse uh, 25 of chapter 4. He says, therefore, laying aside what? Falsehood? Speak the truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of what? One another. Look at verse 26. Be angry, I just told you, and do not what? And yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So what Paul was trying to say to them is that we're Christians, we're going through all these things, but guess what? We're going to struggle, but he gives us the formula on how to live the spirit-filled life. Read Ephesians when you get a chance. Read Ephesians 4 and read the whole of 5. You will see some things. There are a lot of commands and there are a lot of therefores in there. So which means it's all connected together to show you and I the formula for living a spirit-filled life. Do I have anybody? Look what he says. He says, he says, look what he says. He says, do not let the sun go down on your anger, right? And do not give what? The who? The devil what? Now, what is Satan looking for? What opportunity is he looking for? What do you think that opportunity is? An opportunity to destroy your testimony. An opportunity for someone to say, you're not saved. An opportunity to say, for you to believe, ain't nothing happened to me. I know I have the Holy Spirit, but guess what? I still cuss. I still act a fool. Satan is taking advantage of us. Amen. But what Paul is saying, listen, you can overcome that with the therefore. Are you with me? And, and these are the things that causes us, watch this, to shrink back in our growth. Are you with me? Look what he says. He says, be angry and what? Yet do not sin, right? Don't, he said, look at verse 28. He who steals. Now, my question is, what was he dealing with that he writes this? He says, he who steals must steal no longer. But, but guess what? Get a job. That's what he said, isn't it? But rather he must what? Labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has what? Need. What Paul was telling them is that these are the things that you used to do. But these are the, this is what you've been transformed into. You are a new creature now. But if you don't let go or take off or put off some of the deeds of the flesh, how can you live a spirit-filled life? And saints, many of us struggle with this. We, listen, we're in the flesh and we're in the spirit. Listen, one week we're on, next week we're off, right? There's some things that we are struggling with as believers and Satan wants you to believe that you're not saved. But I want to tell you, that's far from the truth. Amen. You are a child of God. Listen, he says, if you get angry, don't cuss. Amen. It, it, that there's righteous anger. Amen. Listen, you can get angry at your kids. You're not going you're not, you're not to strangle them. 
Sometimes you want to, but, <laughs> you know, but you discipline them out of what? Love. It's the same thing with anger. So a lot of people got this little idea in their mind, just after I get saved, I will never do anything wrong. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You've been, how you been saved a little while now? You found out that's a, that ain't the truth, huh? You found out that you made some mistakes along the way, haven't you? You found out, amen, that just as you were as powerful in the world, amen, you found out how powerful sin is now that you recognize it. Are you with me? That when you want to do right, come on, somebody, there's a pull at you. There's something pulling you back to that old way where you want to act a fool up in here. I, I, uh, amen. Y'all with me this morning? Look what he said. He says, he says, now listen, y'all. He says, what I want you to do next, verse 29. He says, listen, I, I, I don't want you to curse. Look at verse 29. He says, and let no what? Unwholesome word proceed from your what? What was he dealing with? What was he dealing with? What Paul was trying to tell us is that we have the spirit. And these are the things that we have to take off, saints. If we're going to live the spirit-filled life, it is important that we, watch this, we check ourselves. He says, let no unwholesome word. Listen, if, if what comes out your mouth hmm, doesn't edify, then be quiet. I was going to say shut up. I said it. <laughs> Seriously. But what restrains me? When I say who restrains me? The what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit restrains me because there's some days I want to say some things. Y'all not trying to hear me. Listen, there's some people that I really, you know what, I want I, mm, I got a bite bottom lip. Bite bottom lip. <laughs> Amen. But he says, listen, he says, but such a word as is what? Good for what? So from now on, if you're going to live the spirit-filled life, you got to make sure that your words edify. Make sure that when you speak, listen, and stop speaking in sarcasm. Oh, I wish I had some. Oh, I'm just playing. People say what they really want to say in sarcasm so that that way they won't be held responsible for what they said. Do I have anybody? And so what he says is when you speak, this is how you know you're in the spirit, that every word that comes out your mouth is edifying. It's building up. How you doing today? Oh, I'm oh, shoot. I don't know. I'm this is this is a good one. I'm tired. I, there's a guy I knew, right? <laughs> I ain't gonna call his name. He was a preacher. Every time I see, every year I go to LA. I say, How you doing? I'm tired, man. You said that last year. <laughs> you said that the year before. You ever talk to somebody like that? Every time you talk, anybody talk? Every time you say something, they always got something negative. Anybody? They're like, man. You know, listen, do you ever have a good day? Oh, come on, somebody. Listen, a good day does not just revolve around you. A good day is when you see somebody else doing better than you. 
And you can rejoice in the fact that, listen, they're not where they used to be. And they're coming along. Do I have anybody? Look what he said. He says, but that which, which is good for what? Edification according what? The need of the what? So that means you don't always have to say something. Sometimes people just want your presence without a word, y'all. And if what you're going to see next, yeah, there ain't nothing anyway. You know, you ain't ought to trust them anyway. I knew they were going to do that to you. Thanks for your help. Thanks for your encouragement. If we're going to live the spirit-filled life, we got to govern what comes out of our mouth. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And here's the other thing. You only say what's inside of your heart. So when you say you just playing, you just lied. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Because you said what you wanted to say. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of a man. Watch what he said. He says, as the what? And here's the thing. If you're going to speak, watch this. Speak at the proper time. Words have a way of damaging us. Look what he says next. He says, so that it will give what? To those who what? Can I ask you something? Here's how you know when you're in the spirit. Or if you're living a spirit-filled life. When you speak, people want to listen. And what you say sounds like music to their ears. Do I have anybody? Look what he says here. He says, what do you say next? He says, uh, yeah, look, verse 30. Verse 30. Go to verse 30. Right here, right here, right here. This is the part I want to get to right here. Look what he says. How can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Come on, let's talk about it. We just talked about it in context. Let no wholesome word come out your mouth. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on, somebody, right? Uh, what else he say? What else did he say? He says, let no, take away what? Bitterness, wrath, anger, malice. Speak when, when you're supposed to speak. And in context, he says, what? Do not what? Grieve the who? Saints, I want to tell you something. Satan has been stopping you and I from living a spirit-filled life because we have not addressed these things in our lives. We curse all the time. Amen. Not all of us. Not all of us. We may hit a few or two, you know, right? You know what I mean? But we hold on to anger. You may not be cursing, but you got resentment in your heart. Come on, somebody. You may not be, be, have resentment, but you speak negative all the time. Come on, somebody. You may, not, you may not be doing what I'm doing, but guess what? You're doing something because here's the thing. You're not seeing the Spirit's leading in your life. Let me tell you what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. To grieve the Holy Spirit means to resist Him. To do, watch this, the opposite of what he's telling you to do. And oftentimes, that's what happens to a lot of believers and they live defeated because they're not realizing that the things that I'm saying, come on somebody, the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm participating in, watch this, it's causing me 
watch this, to grieve the Holy Spirit. Not only to, does that mean to resist him, but it means to push him down. So therefore, now as a believer, as I'm living this Christian life, I'm no longer sensitive to, watch this, to the God things, so I blend in with the ungodly things. I can tolerate texting with WTF and you understand what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying. You know what I'm Listen, if you text it, you done it because you thought about it. That's for them young folk. I had to lay that on them right there. Okay, and watch this. And if you have no convictions about that, then therefore you and I have what? Grieved the Holy Spirit. So here's my next point. It's impossible to live a spirit-filled life if you consistently, watch this, are grieving the Holy Spirit. See, I know what I have in me. I have the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God is no longer, watch this, causing you to feel convicted, then that means you have grieved him to the point where you're no longer sensitive to his leading. Are you with me? And so, so he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit Watch this now. By whom you were what? Sealed until when? Until when? So here's the deal. If you're going to live a spiritual life, you have to recognize that you must cooperate, write it down, with the Holy Spirit. You have to come into partnership with him so that you and him can begin Watch this, to work out whatever your weaknesses are, whatever your, yeah, whatever your struggles are, whatever you're struggling with, all you have to do is say, okay, I'm going to cooperate with that. I'm not going to let any unwholesome word come out of my mouth. I'm not going to get angry no more. Listen, anger is a sin, period. Listen, thinking, listen, Jesus said this, if you think it, you've done it. Have you ever been in the presence of your enemy before? Huh? That's hard, ain't it? You know what? It takes me a lot to be in the presence of my enemies. But here's what I understand about Psalm 23. The only reason why I'm in the presence of my enemy because I've been through the valley. Listen, I wish I had somebody. He says, even though I walk through the valley. See, that tells me that I made it through something worse than my enemy's hands. I've been through the valley and now he says he prepares me a table before me in the what? In the presence of my enemies. You know what God is trying to get you to understand? I need you to rely on the Holy Spirit while you're in the presence of your enemy. So that, therefore, you can, watch this, you can sit in the presence of your enemy and you can pray for your enemy. Come on, somebody. You can ask God to save them because primarily that's probably what their problem is. But God says, listen, he says, listen, don't grieve. Paul is telling this church, and this church was going through some stuff. You know what they were going through? Carnality. Look, 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 at the next, look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Look what he says. I'm sorry, y'all. I wasn't even supposed to go here. Watch what he says. He says what? He says what? Do not greet. Now, remember, when you're looking at context, you look at context before and after. So, therefore, if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, 
I can't live a spirit-filled life. That's the, that's the big point today. That's it. That if, that if I'm grieving him constantly, remember what I told you. What is, you know what the word grieve means? To cry. How can I hurt the one that the Bible says when I don't know how to pray, he makes intercession for me. He, he, he lives in me. He knows me intimately. But yet I treat him as if he's not there. By my actions, look what he says. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and what? Slander. Do what? Put it away. He says, put it away from you, along with all malice. And then the next verse says what? Be what? Be kind to who? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Tender. Come on, somebody. I'm going. I'm closing. Be, be what? Be, be, be kind. The Bible did not tell you to be nice. The word nice, the etymology for the word nice is foolish. So anytime somebody call you nice, they're really calling you so nice. They're calling you foolish because they're taking advantage of you. But the Bible says to be kind. See, I may not be able to get along with you right now because our personalities don't clash. It clashes. But as a, as a Christian, as a spirit-filled person, I ought to be patient with you because you're not where I am. But I've seen so many believers give up on other believers because, oh, she's just so mean. She's mean as a rattlesnake. If you keep praying for her, God will take that rattle. <laughs> Amen. And he's going to take that snake from her. And he will transform that person if they see something different in you. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. What? Forgiving who? How can I do that if I have grieved the one who gives me the power to do it? See, the only reason I can forgive you is if I have the Spirit in me. Because without the Spirit, you know what I want to do? Hmm. Yeah, right, that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. He says what? Forgiving each other just as... Now, here's the thing. The reason I ought to forgive, the reason I ought not to grieve the Holy Spirit, but the reason I ought to forgive, because who are you? He says just as what? Can I ask you a question? What if God was to hold a grudge against everyone in this room today, in this church today? What if God was to hold on to some of the things that we have done? He says, you and I, I know, I, listen, I know it hurts. But the only way you can forgive, saints, is if you have the Spirit of God is in, in you. The Spirit of God, listen, the Spirit of God is the only one that can give you the power to say, I'm going to let that go. You know why? Because it's only through the Spirit of God can you see the fact that you don't deserve anything 
that you have. Nothing. We haven't been that good. I haven't been that good. And everything that I possess today, I'm not just talking about material. I'm talking about my sound mind. I'm talking about my family. I'm talking about the things that I possess. I, I don't deserve them. So therefore, the Spirit helps me to appreciate what I have so that I can extend that forgiveness to somebody else. He says, just as God has what? And then, and, then, and then go to chapter 5, verse 1, and I'm closing right here. Watch this. Here's how you live a spirit-filled life. Chapter 5, verse 1, what does it say? There, there, there what? Now watch this. How can I imitate God? Can I ask you a question? Who are you imitating? Seriously. Who is that? Uh, me. Or you, huh? Okay, you. Yeah, you so cool. You ain't got a pot. I mean, you, you, you. Yeah, you, you got it together. You. First of all, I figured it out. I'm striving for this. How can I imitate God? Because He's in me. But if I keep grieving him, if I keep resisting, he's telling you to let them people go. Get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of the wrath. Get rid of all that stuff in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit have full reign and rule in you. Let him take control. Can you imagine what you will become overnight if you just let go? Release and let the Holy Spirit lead your life. Then you become an imitator of who? God. As what? You know what? Some kids, they have no good examples. None. Their parents smoke weed with them. They drink with them. They party with them. They do all kinds of crazy stuff with them. But we have a daddy that we can imitate because we're made in his image and he's placed inside of us his very spirit that allows us to imitate him. Give God some praise.